I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 16.33, New Living Translation. Strikers, when faced with difficult times, how do we make it through? Let's find out next on The Mighty Anvil. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution, and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back in the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, Grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. 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 The brushing. Uh, Alan, I, uh, there was something I didn't put on the brushing for oh. you to read, but I'll let you go over the brushing here in a second. I wanted to say that last week I went out to uh, a meeting called Embrace, mm-hmm. and they uh, are helping foster families get set up and nice. helping the kids that are moving into foster families, okay. uh, supporting their, them. There are hotels with full floors of kids in these rooms because there is not enough homes to put these kids in. Wow. Wow. So, uh, as y'all know, this is something that I'm moving forward in our, uh, ministry here with the mighty anvil and whatever we can do. I'm open to ideas to, uh, how do we make an impact for those foster families or the foster kids that are looking for a home? Um, there are needs. There's ways to, uh, prepare meals for them and drop them off at the hotels or wherever these kids are at weekly. Uh, daily and then uh, on the weekends there's you you have to get certified and all this training and stuff but you have opportunities to go hang out with these kids on a Saturday Sunday to kind of you know give them some you know time Uh, and I I think that's important building those relationships letting them know that they're not the only ones out there that they got people that care about them and so with the mighty anvil that's what we want that's one of the things that I want to do in that ministry is help them out so Strikers, give us some ideas uh, on how we can do this and how we can help. Uh, Embrace is just one of the uh, avenues that we'll be looking at. Um, Hopefully, we can have uh, the uh, individuals on that kind of run that and kind of get some more information on it as well. So, I'm working on that. And so, what else do we have, Alan? Okay, so for ELC, we have September 22nd. We have a uh, class on how we serve. September 26th is their monthly baptism night. It's monthly, correct? Yes. Okay, sorry. No worries. October 10th, the Florida mission trip will take off. Man, I wish I was going to that. It's an inexpensive one. I don't okay. think it takes... It, it's not as expensive as the LA Dream Center that I went on. Mm-hmm. It's more. It's a little bit more affordable. So uh, talk to Pastor Steve um, minor on that and see what kind of details i think that they're still looking for people to go along with i mean either way it's a fantastic serving opportunity yep yeah what do we got at grace point grace point family church harvest fest is october the 2nd it is an annual community center uh, community event for the city of anna so it's not just grace point family church but uh we'll have booths for grace point family church and grace place um stop by visit and learn how to serve with us Serving with Bring the Light Ministries is also on October 2nd. And then 
the Grace Place Food Pantry is open. The Permanent Food Bank in Anna is open three days a week, Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m., and then Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon. That's for anybody that happens to be find themselves in a food insecure situation. Uh, permanent food bank, no questions asked. You actually come in and we have it set up as like a little shopping center. So you go in and and pick out what you're going to eat. Not at not like yeah, you get these it's not like you get a bag. Like here's what you get. No, no, no. You actually get to like pick it out. Nice. There's ice cream and everything there. Mm, can I go? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I want some ice cream. Oh, excellent. And then last but not least, if you have questions and comments, strikers, please. Feel free to email us at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at mightyanvilpodcast. Uh, past that, you can, uh, if for those that are not tech savvy, you can actually look us up on the web at themightyanvil.com. You can listen to every single episode we have up directly off the website. I will say, uh, so for those who listened to the podcast this past week where we talk about mental health awareness, and suicide prevention. Uh, some of our strikers might have noticed that someone was missing off of the, uh, the podcast. And not only were you missed by everybody, but me. I realize you're my security blanket. Like, I was so nervous. Because, you know, honestly, yeah. after uh, doing uh, the weekend from A to Z, mm-hmm. all those episodes we did, and everything that we've done up to now... That was the first time I've done it all on my own, yeah. and uh, I was I was nervous. Right, I was blaming everything. <laughs> I was I was telling Doctor Brittany, he's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I'm so nervous. She goes, I'm not that big. Of, I'm, no, no, it's not you. It's just me. It's I don't know what it is, but uh, it, it I could feel the weight of uh, of everything on there. So you were missed, sir. You were missed. But I understand it was kind of last minute, and uh, you know it was during the week and. But, yeah, uh, I'm hoping that we do that next September uh, and be a little more organized and maybe have a couple episodes yeah, definitely. to where it's not just suicide prevention, but there's other mental health out there that we mm-hmm. need to, to focus on and, and, you know, make aware. So, yeah, just wanted to say that I missed you, that uh, it was funny. I, I, and I cut this out of the episode, but I'm going to tell on myself. I couldn't think of the word that uh, I use for you, and I was so embarrassed. Wait, I, I called you a big. T- you're my teddy bear, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that just sounds so bad. But uh, <laughs> I'm cutting that part out. I'm not saying anything about Alan being my teddy bear. But yeah, no, it was safety net is what I was looking for. Gotcha. Safety net and teddy bear just doesn't quite go the same. It's not just the same. Not not quite the same. There's a little difference there, but. No, uh, yeah, I do. I appreciate you, and uh, you do balance me out. So, uh, so I'm glad to be back. Right on. We're glad to have you back. Um, so this guest this week, it's a little bit different episode. I think this is what the core of the Mighty Anvil to me is, is, you know, men's testimonies, people's testimonies that have, uh, are going, th- went through hard times, and that they can speak and help other people you know, get help, help them uh, get some help, help them get, you know, help them know that they're not the only ones around. Um, and the first time that I heard this story, I had no idea because, uh, well, the episode is called Overcomer, right? And it's overcoming difficult situations. And uh, our guest today, when I heard his story, uh, man, I'm getting emotional now. I, I, I couldn't imagine having to go through something like that. Um, I don't want to imagine, but, uh, 
Strikers, uh, give a warm welcome to Brian Graham. Uh, we get to hear his story, and hopefully it helps somebody out there. I know it will. Not hopefully. I know it will. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an impactful story. So, Brian, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. You know, for the Mighty Anvil and how we've been brought up, we're a core value-led podcast, and I don't know where we get that from, but what are your top three core values? Um, my first one is love. You know, God says above all love, so I figured that should be my first one as well. Um, so I try my best to just love as much as I can, love everyone, doesn't matter who, what, how. Uh, I just try to love people, you know, and then honor will be my second one because kind of goes along. To me, it goes along with love. If you're loving them, you should be honoring them too. Right. You can't dishonor them and love them at the same time. It's true. So, um, and then really serving, you know, that'd be my third. Uh, I'd love to serve. And to me, they all, they all just kind of go along. So if you're loving people, you should be serving them and honoring them. And so they really just, it, it's not one, but it is a package deal for me. It's like all one. I like that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, com- they're all common too with, uh, with the, the guests that we've had on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they all do love, honor two of mine. I don't have the serving cause you know, I do things for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, it was funny. So I put them on my mirror. I line up. There's six of them that I put up in there, but, uh, I cleaned the bathroom for my wife this week uh, to kind of get some brownie points. Very nice. In strikers, it worked. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and, the, and so I cleaned off the mirror, and I had uh, my vision on there with uh, maps and where we're going with that. And then uh, so I raced all that. I raced. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I don't know. I'm getting off track. On her mirror, I, I drew a circle and said, this person is loved by Scott. And then I had to erase the circle and move it down because I was putting it on me. <laughs> and, yes, I do love me. This person is loved by Scott. I do, man. I love me. But uh, wasn't, that wasn't the intent of that. So she, she saw that I erased it. I guess I didn't, I didn't wipe it off clearly enough. She, goes, she, made, me, she made a joke out of that, that morning, but it was pretty awesome. funny. Um, but love is on mine. Uh, absolutely an honor. I, I do agree with those. Those are, those are two things that go hand in hand. What is uh, your core scripture? Uh, Romans eight twenty eight, uh, mm. really because of what I've been through, you know. So it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Um, so as we go through this, it it brings that He's able to use anything and everything we go through for the good, and even if we can't see it, He knows it. And so it's to me, it's our role just to walk it out. Let him work all of it together. It's not my job to figure it out. It's my job to walk it out and let him work it out. And so, to me, that's just so crucial to understand that, to understand that he works all things together for good. Not me. He does. And so, as long as I keep that focus and just keep walking, I get to see the benefits of how he's working it out mm-hmm. as I go through. Nice. It's a nice vision there. Yeah. I like that scripture. We're watching the show, the crazy show called Manifest. That's <laughs> and Romans eight twenty eight comes up a lot. Yeah, it's a crazy fictitious show. I've, I've seen. I've, I'm, I think I'm in season two of that. It's, yeah, we're in season. I think season three. Anyways, anyways, squirrel again. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> you said Romans eight twenty eight, and I immediately went to Manifest. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah. For those that aren't watching, right on. Uh, and I just threw this one out there: three books that have made an impact on your life. Um, 
Bible, mm-hmm. obviously. And then, um, you know, Pastor Josh's that we just walked through was really impactful. Yeah. Um, in addition to spiritual leadership, those, those have been really powerful. So. Those are two recent books. You had to write your uh, little takeaway from that. Uh, you might see the shirts that we're, we're wearing today. Them, yeah. We uh, finally ended up uh, our Mighty Men year nice. and that track. So okay. we, uh, we got a little bit of honor last night. But, yeah, That's you nice. had to write that. What was, uh, what was your takeaway from uh, spiritual leadership? Um, really knowing who we are in God and using that to lead and not relying on us to lead, but relying on God to lead. But we have to know who we are in God and knowing like his principles and lead with his principles, not Brian's principles. Um, that was a big one that like writing the essay, I felt like I could keep writing and writing. I was like, well, wait a minute. It says 200 words or whatever. I'm at 300 words. Like I got to stop. <laughs> so. And I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, cause we know that Garrett is a stickler for direction. I was wondering when I was writing that out, I'm like, dude, I'm at 350. Am I, Am I not following directions? Because I honestly don't know how you could do 250 words on that book. No. That I mean, it's two paragraphs, really. Oh, I, and like I didn't even get through half of my thoughts. I mean, I probably got a quarter of the way into my thoughts, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm already way over 200. Like, mm, better tone it down. Just send it in. Yep. That, that's, so. it's that It's that thought process of, okay, he's a stickler for, uh, you know, <laughs> the direction that – if, if I, we go, if I over, turn it in this nine-page manuscript, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like, "What did you do?" Yeah, you're not following directions, so I didn't know which way to go with that. So I just try to follow directions, and yeah, ended up at 350, and I was like, "Dude, this is not even enough." Yeah. Um, and then uh, you had mentioned what was the other book? Obviously, the Bible, but uh, um, Pastor Josh's that we, oh, that he walked us through. Yeah, for those that uh, are listening, strikers, uh, Pastor Josh, that is now a book that we went through uh, the way of life. I've get them this I think that's what it's called yeah so. um nice yeah so it's his first book he was excited he was excited i think it, pastor, pastor, Keith, pastor josh is awesome yeah oh my goodness he is amazing he is amazing his wisdom is oh just so mind-blowing deep. yeah yeah and i love how he walks you through it you yeah. know he starts in the very beginning mm-hmm. and defines god he tells you like he, he tells you through scripture who god is and normally we hear how god wants us to act but it starts with who he is so we can know who he is in our life. Yeah. And Pastor Josh just masterfully walked through that with us. And it was just so powerful and so impactful to, to, and to hear the author teach it was yeah. just yeah. even better. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Follow him. Follow him anywhere. Um, all right. So, like I said, this is a little bit different setup. Uh, Brian, I don't even know where to start. But let's just, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Maryland. Maryland. Yes, sir. Oh, you and Mr. Okay. Towers. And y'all, is that, a, is that how you spell Brian up in that Northeastern? B-R-Y? <laughs> What's wrong with a Y? Nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, Towers is from that area, uh, that area too. Are you oh, nice. uh, uh, a Ravens fan? No. No? Good for you. <laughs> we, have to, we have to convert Brian. I'm you. a Redskins fan, but oh, no, they don't wait. exist anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no. Oh, well, we, we can't talk about that here. <laughs> Um, so grew up in Maryland and, um, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Um, you know, raised up in a middle-class family, never had any issues. Um, never went to church, was not raised in church. The only time I experienced church was when a neighbor down the street took me to vacation Bible school. And we went there once, um, and went to, they tried to bring me back to church, to normal service. It was kind of the old school where you read, you sing hymnals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, they speak to adults, not to kids. Yeah, yeah. And so 
I'm over there just out cold snoring because I have no idea what they're talking about. Like they're speaking. It's just flying over my head. It's so it's so deep. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. So so it never intrigued me. It never caught my attention. Um, So and my parents never took me to church ever. So I didn't grow up in church. Um, When I started going to church, really, I went to church sporadically here and there as an adult with with former wives. But it never stuck. There was never anything that was like, aha, I need to be here. Um, and really what I heard every time I went was money, money, money. That's what I heard. And because they, I was in my spirit wrong. Mm-hmm. And so finally I came here and this is God moving. And this goes back to Romans eight twenty eight. When I came here, I had always heard money. When I came, Pastor Keith was in that little, it was only like three weeks long where he wasn't taking an offering at all. They just said, Hey, if you want to give, there's, there's buckets on the wall. You know, they didn't even pass buckets. And I was like, I can do this. You know, but God knew what I needed yeah. at that moment. Mm-hmm. He knew how to get me to stay mm-hmm. was to not hear money until I was ready to hear money and what it meant to him. Because all I heard was, you want my money. I know better now, but that's all I ever heard when I went to church. So for me, that was the, the gotcha. The moment was, oh, I can do this. And so, but I, so I didn't grow up with church. Um, my dad always provided. We never had any issues. He wasn't the he wasn't a bad dad. He wasn't a great dad. He was just a dad. You know, he never he didn't tell us he loved us and stuff like that. He wasn't a loving guy like that. He went to work, provided, took us on vacations, took me to sports, all that stuff that a dad did back then. Um, but he didn't have the spiritual side to be able to know the love of God to be able to give me the love of God. Hmm. And so, um, so I just I when I get into church and, and I, and I talk with guys and I get with people normally, you know, had they were raised in church, they've done this stuff their whole life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't come to church till I was 40. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so when we get into my story, the interesting part is that, is that this stuff I went through, I hadn't had church yet. So it's, wow. It's, okay. It, it's a, it's kind of a, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait yeah. to get there. Alan, was your dad, uh, did he tell you, hey, I love you, and was he was he like that? He did every now and then, yeah. But, uh, but my dad's also from Africa, so that's just different. It, what, but, is, what do you mean by different? Because, uh, like, my dad didn't, I, I'm riding along with Brian. My dad really, every once in a while he said I love you and maybe he gave me a hug, but I think that I was in one that mostly initiated all that stuff. My dad initiated a lot of that, um, looking back and... I mean, we were all told that we were loved often by both of our parents. But obviously, Mom did it more. I say obviously. Mom did it more than Dad did. But Dad did it as right. well. Yeah, That's awesome. And my dad, I mean, he showed me he loved me in different ways. Uh, you know, like uh, maybe picking out the weeds in the backyard for three hours, what have you. But, you know, that was yeah. his way. Got me by mowing the lawn. <laughs> I love you, Dad. Throwing me over his back one day. <laughs> this so, is a true story. You're right, though. I mean, to your point, like, he... he Alan had words and we were given actions. It was, that's how they kind of were raised to love. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a different time, you know, and we're being taught different. And so with my kids, I'm more intentional with words uh, because as we know, the Bible tells us there's power in words. So I intentionally tell them I love them regularly um, to, to, to reinforce that. Uh, I think, I believe that that just, there's power in those words. You know, that's what the Bible tells me. So I believe it. So, yeah, I agree. There's power. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. From er- my early words in my life or my family life, being married and with kids, 
and then now my words now are different because I've I've seen what those words have done to my my kids when I not that I'm mean or anything but I wasn't expecting my the they weren't life and they weren't seeds of life they were just you know what I thought was what a dad should tell your kids or whatever uh, been intentional more the past two three years on um, on that and then Pastor Brittany brought up uh, something about you know a lot of people will yell at their kids in the mm-hmm. house like hey it's time to come you know yelling it's time for dinner or whatever instead of going up to the room and uh hey you know dinner's ready and being in their space that also speaks to them they might not like it at the time but it will make an an, an impact and not yelling across the house and uh i've noticed it in the past well tam my wife and i we do that we hey it's time for dinner or, Hey, what did you get on school? You know, it's now uh, this week I made a, a conscious effort of I got to change this and I'm going to go up to their room and get in their space and say, hey, dinner's ready. You got a phone call. Not really because everybody's got their own phones, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> phone call. Phone call. What's that? What's that? Anyway, um, <laughs> growing up in Maryland, uh, then I feel like you moved somewhere else. I went. I joined the Navy. Oh, yeah. So I went to, went to college for a year, surprisingly enough, for elementary education. Um, and then okay. I had no intentions of joining the military ever, like in my entire life. Um, a recruiter happened to call me. I was in some weird mood or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think I was mad at my dad at the time. And he's like, hey, come take this test. You know, you, no obligation. Just come take this test. It's like, okay, why not? So I go take the test. And he's like, hey, you did really well. Like, uh, we can hook you up with this cool program. You know, you come in as a E3, you get E4 right after school. We'll give you a $6,000 bonus. And I'm like, this sounds pretty good. Don't know what it means, but it sounds pretty good. How so old were you? I was like 19. 19? Um, yeah, because I was working full-time and going to college full-time. So it was there was a lot of chaos and busyness. Yeah. And he called me, and I was like, eh. So I tell my dad, I'm like, hey, you know, this is what the recruiter said. What do you think? And he's like, go. <laughs> like, really? Okay. <laughs> so so I signed up and went um, with no intentions of ever going in the military. Was your dad in the military? He was a Marine. A Marine? Okay. Uh, Vietnam? Uh, he did. Okay. He was a aircraft mechanic in Vietnam. Nice. Yeah. So wow. my dad was in Vietnam as well. Um, yeah, that's quite a story on its own. But yeah, yeah I feel sorry for those guys. Yeah. Um, what? So what branch? Navy. Navy. It's and been eleven years. Eleven um, years. Got to wow. see a lot of the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never had any desire to leave the country either. Really? God, yeah. God was like, you know what? We're going to take you on a journey. <laughs> you don't know it yet, but I'm going to take you on a journey. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I went to Northern Europe, I went to Central America, went to the Mediterranean, you know, kind of got to see a little bit of everything. Um, and and now that I can look back, I can see Romans 8.28 in it. I can see where he put me in places that weren't America, that weren't the life we live here, that weren't even close to the life we lived here, so that I can appreciate what we have here and, and understand that the whole world is not like here. Mm-hmm. It's not even close to like here. <laughs> and right. and that's powerful to me because because of that perspective, I can see people differently because not all people are the same, just like not all countries are the same. Right. And so, you know, it was just powerful. And, and at the time, of course, I'm just traveling the world, doing my thing. But getting to look back and reflect on that is there's a purpose in that. And so that was that's powerful now to, to realize there was a purpose in that if I can see it. Hmm. So, you know, you hear a lot now that, uh, if if you don't like where we're at, you probably should go just visit somewhere else for a little bit, maybe serve them. 
and oh uh, kind of that'll that'll put you back in your place. On uh, you know, we do have it pretty good over here. And go, go to Africa, seriously. When oh, I yeah. when I say this, go to Africa. It's it's there are places that are that have cities like this, and they have highways, not necessarily tollways per se, but they have highways, and they're bustling with cars and people in the streets. But it's not like here. You know, it, it gradually the you know you go from like six lanes to four lanes to two <laughs> lanes. Africa, it's not like that. It goes from four lanes to literally a dirt road. And that's how it was when I went when I was 17. And the, thing, the two things that I will never take for granted, air conditioning and running water. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, blackouts in the middle of the city. The middle of the city, blackouts. No reason. There's no, there's no adverse weather or anything crazy. Just blackouts. And then you're out of power for hmm, three hours, four hours. No, nobody's telling you why. There's no number to call. The whole city's out. Did your mom and dad still have family over there? Yes. And when was you 17 was the last 17 time? 17 was the last time I went. Do you have a plan on taking uh, Zaya and the other kids? It is a plan, yeah. Spoke that over you. Go. Other kids? Yeah, it is Uh-oh. a plan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so after the, after the Navy? Um, I got out. Had not really a plan, to be honest. Um, I started working for a home builder, and... I got to experience extremely poor leadership, which was great for me. Great learning experience. Um, had a had a leader tell me to do something. I did it, and then he asked me why I did it. And I was like, <laughs> did you forget the conversation we just had? You just told me to do that. Um, and he didn't back me. And so I was like, okay, I know not what to do now. So, um, But I went from there had and learned a lot. You know, I was in the nuclear Navy, so it was very technical, very – rigid there's no room for wavering in the nuclear field you know it was <laughs> unless <laughs> it was, you want a third arm <laughs> yeah there's no it's close enough yeah i mean it was it was by the rules it was by the book you know when you did stuff you had the book in front of you you, you went step by step there was no wavering um you get out in the civilian world and it was like there's none of that it's yeah i just figured it out okay what does that mean so um so i started in home building as an assistant superintendent manage the trades and things like that uh and then because of that leader um when he did that to me i immediately put my resume out there and was like i can't stay here i can't work under that 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 kind of an environment um not knowing what i know now i believe that was god telling me you know i got something different for you and he was pushing me out of a situation uh so so I left there and I went to, I actually left the entire area, uh, went to West Virginia to work for carrier air conditioning. Um, strangely enough, I had an, off, an opportunity to stay in Maryland and go to Baltimore with, with carrier. But at the time, my mindset was Baltimore's really expensive. West Virginia is really cheap. I can buy a house in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't in Maryland. So let's go to West Virginia. Knew nothing about West Virginia. Nobody there. Um, went there met some great people, had some great experiences, uh, got to see different people like you know different countries and then I get to see different people I get to see country people who really aren't up to technical speed with everyone else you know they like to live in the hollers and go fishing and hunting and just enjoy life whereas a DC area was hustle bustle non-stop 24 7 seven days a week it never slows down so it was a totally different lifestyle totally different people Um, and it gave me a different set of values with with how they lived life versus how the, the fast-paced world lived in the D.C. area. You know, with um, mental health awareness, uh, you know, that kind of, to me, it says there's a lot of 
there's there's a reason why the inner city has such a high uh, rate of uh, you know anxiety and depression, depression and yes. stuff because trying to keep up with that and all the information that goes on there, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of think, man, I might want to go back out. Who am I kidding? I love <laughs> I love the movie theater about a half a mile from my house. I like all the restaurants, but yeah, you wonder if uh, you know bringing up a family out in you know in the suburb in the urban no urban suburb, rural, rural, rural rural there we go yeah. thanks you thanks for that <laughs> it's early um but yeah i wonder if that's a better way of bringing up kids because uh you know as we talked on monday with uh dr Brittany, is you can't you can't put a kid in in a in a facility here in dallas or in uh, frisco area you have to actually go an hour two hours out to find a bed if they need help and man that says a lot about this you know the hustle and bustle and all the, the, you know, social media on top of that and how, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is a big thing mm-hmm. with here. And for a young mind, I, I kind of got too off much track. to handle. It is. It's a lot to handle, but I just, you know, it's still September and I wanted, you know, yeah. It's. Well, you never get to slow down. That's the thing. Your mind never gets to rest. You never get to come down and just live. There's right? always something going on. It's mm-hmm. always nonstop. And so when your brain doesn't get the rest, it gets stressed out. But what book was it? Was it, uh, I think it was Soulcon that we went through, and it talks about how, you know, you need to shut your brain down. And, and, and I think, I don't know if it was a story in there or if it reminded me of a story that, uh, you know, you have to, like a computer, you know, you start running all those programs and it starts mm-hmm. to lag it's and good. the mouse isn't moving right. And there's, you know, but if you shut all the programs down and then, you know, power fail the uh, laptop and then bring it back up and let it boot up the right way, it runs a lot faster. So we as humans, I think, on the same thing is uh, you need to unplug. Disconnect, yeah. And, Absolutely. you know, and if for some people that it's, that's difficult, start off with a minute and then move your way up to five minutes the next time and so on and so forth until you're like at 15 minutes. I think 15 minutes is the minimum where they re, they actually – it's not required. Uh, the suggestion, what am I looking for? Help me with another word. Uh, recommend that they recommend is a, a minimum of 15 minutes of uh, meditation or, you know, my thought is meditation and prayer, are kind of the same thing, but there's kind of not as well. But I think in those, those moments is where your brain is shutting down. Uh, and I think that's a big help. So yes, going sir. back to uh, Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Virginia and went or West. I was in Virginia, went to West Virginia and then in West Virginia. Um, so carrier HVAC is interesting. The commercial side, their employees, our technicians, were all union, which was my first experience with union. Yeah, very different, um, very great experience because I wasn't union, so I didn't know what it meant. Or you know, I've, I've heard of unions. We all heard mm-hmm. of unions, but we don't know what it really means. So starting to work with them was powerful um, because they have a different set of rules. They have a different mindset. Um, so you know, knowing what I know now, it's just a different thought process. Mm-hmm. And so, so I gained that experience there um, while I was there. Again, I think God was like, I'm going to show you some stuff so you don't repeat it. Uh, there was like basically corruption going on, people stealing from the company and everything. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't be in this environment of you're stealing from the company. Like, how this, How do you, can you even do that? Like, so I couldn't stay. So, again, I put my resume out there, got with a recruiter, um, ended up coming here to, of all things, be in construction in data centers. I had no idea what a data center was. No idea. Wow. And they're like, hey, you're going to go do project management in data center. You can do it. I'm like, let's go. All right. <laughs> right. Remember, I don't have God at this point. Like, I know who God is. And, and 
you know, I said the salvation prayer when I was a kid in their, in their living room, but I didn't know what that meant. I had no clue what it meant. Um, so at this point, I'm still kind of walking on my own. Like, at least I think I am. In my mind, I'm, I'm walking on my own. And so I come here and work in the data centers, have a great time doing great things with, the, with my team. You know, I had a great team. Um, I had the opportunity at one point to either go be a project manager or to lead a team of assistant project managers that was nationwide. And so me at the time, knowing Bank of America loved, um, in order to continue to move up, you had to have direct reports. Was, I mean, it wasn't said, but that was the reality. Like if you didn't have direct reports, you were just going to kind of stay in an individual contributor and not really move up. So I took the, the opportunity to lead a team. And that was my first, I mean, I led technicians at Carrier, but it wasn't the same as having my own team. Um, because one, because of the union split, you know, they, they kind of felt like they worked for the union, not the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a little different mindset. And then here I actually had my own team. Um, and leading a first team who's not with you is different. Um, and so I had to be able to reach out and that was before zoom and all that stuff it wasn't like that wasn't big back then Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of phone calls a lot of emails and things and just trying to stay connected with people so it was a great experience uh, for me in a leadership role to have that and then bank of america had a huge shift basically their whole business model was changing we owned and ran our own data centers at the time and they decided that because colos were starting to get big. And so they're like, well, we're going to go into a colo model. Um, one of the head guys from IT came over from another company, and their business model was colo. And so he's like, why are we running and owning our own data centers? So when he said that, what I heard was, you're about to lose your job. And so I wasn't going to wait for them to take my job. And so I ended up going to work for an electrical contractor, which surprisingly was back to union. Everyone in their company, except for me, pretty much in the in the admin, except for us, were non or they were all union. I right. was not a union electrician, so having that earlier experience helped me tremendously with them. Um, unfortunately for me at the time, I didn't have the courage and the willpower to tell them they weren't using the skills that I had. Um, I should have because mm-hmm. I could have added so much more when I was there, but I didn't know how to say, "Hey, you're not using me." You know, interesting. Um, I wish I had. I truly do. Uh, knowing what I know now, I would definitely be like, hey, I have so much more talent and skills that you're not taking advantage of. You're paying me for me, but you're only getting this much of me. How old were you? Um, at that time, see, that wasn't that long, long ago. I was probably early 40s. Okay. Um, How old are you now? 48. Uh, just a puppy. Okay. <laughs> just a puppy. To some of us. <laughs> so, you know, I was still growing and maturing and, and I just didn't have the courage to do it, unfortunately. Um, so, th- so I didn't give them all I had, um, because they didn't know how to utilize it and I didn't know how to tell them. It's kind of like a both side thing. So while I was there, it was great. Um, I had a different mindset than they did. They had that union mindset, which I don't have cause I'm not in the union and I don't really know how to think that way cause I've never experienced it. Um, but I had a great time there and then I had an opportunity, a friend called me. So this was this is my life changing moment, career changing, life changing moment. Is it got to a point there where I felt like they were trying to get rid of me because they didn't know how to use me, and so it was getting miserable, and I was getting miserable, and I was basically blaming them for the misery. It wasn't their fault; it was my mindset. And um, from stage, they preached, "Work, do all work, as in to God and not to others." Hmm. And literally, the light switch went off, and. I realized it wasn't about me. 
it's not about me going in and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm working for God. I shouldn't care what they're saying and what they're doing from my attitude perspective. Mm-hmm. And so literally I changed my attitude the next day, went in there. Within a week, I got a call from a friend in Virginia, not even here. And he's like, hey, you know, do you want to do you want to change careers? And go be a facility manager. He's like, I got this opportunity out there in Texas in Plano for you. Um, I think you'd be great at it. And I was like, well, I've never done facility management. I don't really even know what it is. Back to that data center thing. I had no idea what a data center was when I got here. Right. And so I was like, sure, why not? You know, I don't like where I'm at. Let's let's do this thing. And so I interviewed no facility management experience. The campus is a million square foot campus with seven buildings at the time. And I get the job and it's like, whoa, let's do this. So um, so I go over there with no knowledge of what facilities management is. And I just start trying to figure it out and and work through it. Um, But with that mindset of I'm doing it for God now because of that message that one I, I believe it was actually on a Wednesday night. I don't even think it was on a Sunday morning normal message. Um, and so with that new perspective, I'm again leading a team. That's my own team now, totally my own team. I get to hire, fire, whatever, train, grow, whatever I need to do. And so it's just this great growth opportunity. Um, and so I get a lot of experience there. End up going from there, doing facilities for Amazon. And it's actually a company called Woot in Carrollton. It was an Amazon company. They own them. Woot, woot. Woot. Um, um, So get different experience. I go from a corporate campus to a warehouse environment, a production environment. Totally different, right? So I'm getting experience there, leading a smaller team. Um, There I was able to to actually use some of my God-given talent and say, hey, we have this model where we have this tech who's on site for our machines. It's not really working. Our machines break a lot. He's not real great at fixing them, but you guys are paying him a whole lot of money to, to fix your stuff that he's not really doing. I said, why don't you let me hire a team, put one person on each, because they had four shifts, um, but this guy was only there during the days. Well, we had nobody at night. We had nobody on the weekends. So if stuff broke, it just stayed broke until that guy could get back out there. And I said, let me hire one guy for each shift I'll put him on my team. We'll get rid of that guy. I'll have him train us, but we'll get rid of him. And then not only can my guys do the machines, they can do everything in the campus. Like, we can fix everything. And they were like, sure. So I had to do, you know, the analysis, the business analysis, business case presented. It was actually costing more, but the value was more than the dollars mm-hmm. that we provided. So so was able to get that. I grew my team from two guys to six guys just by doing that. Um, loved it there. And then moved on to, to where I'm at now which is um, still doing facilities management. It's a, it's a campus uh, for USAA right around the corner at, at Parkwood and Legacy. Um, there, I'm loving life. Uh, I have an amazing team. I know why God has put me there. It's, How long have you been there? Um, I've been there almost three years. It'll be three years in November. But, but I know clearly why God has put me there. Um, and the interesting thing was I thought that I had pretty much fulfilled why I was there. And then we hired someone new. And I realized that I'm not done there yet. I, I need to bring the new person up because they had been through an experience that was not positive. And so I need to bring them a positive experience and show them that they're worthy, that they mean something, and that, you know, bring your talent. Yep. You know, because it's suppressed right now. So um, so it's it's been a wild ride to, to watch God bring things that yeah, I need stepping to. stone of where, where you started and where you're at now absolutely yeah. 
Hey, Strikers, uh, we're going to go uh, pay some bills, but when we get back, we'll uh, talk to our overcomer and uh, find out what he had to do to overcome his situation. Uh, we'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We use Anchor for this podcast and our other podcasts the weekend from A to Z. So if you're about to start a podcast, lift Anchor with Anchor FM and set sail on your new adventures. And we're back. So uh, the story that I wanted you to get to today, um, where does it start? Um, it really starts in my freshman year of high school. Um, that was where I first experienced a, a real close loss in my life. Um, my, we, I, my mom and dad were divorced. Um, my dad was living with somebody. My mom was dating somebody. And so we the court had set it up to where we go back and forth, you know, it was, it was kind of strange. It was almost like every other day we're going back and forth to somebody's house and things. Um, and so that was mine and my brother's life, like back and forth. And then it was a Christmas Eve. And then we were, so we spent Christmas Eve with my dad and then Christmas morning, we we're supposed to go to my mom's. Um, and then we go, so that morning we get up, you know, we go to the house, no one's there. So we don't know where my mom's at. So we call her boyfriend. He doesn't know where she's at. He hasn't seen her. And then it's like, okay, what's going on? Um, through throughout the day, calling hospitals, everything, um, they they find out that there's somebody at the end of the street had stood in front of a train and committed suicide. We didn't know who it was at the time. We we weren't sure because two families had identified or reported somebody missing um, in that same area, and so I was a kid, so my dad was dealing with it. We didn't really know what was going on we were just kind of like mom's not here and so so later that evening we found out that it was actually my mom who had done that who had stood in front of a train and committed suicide at the end of the street on Christmas Eve um and so that was my first experience with a traumatic loss personally right at home uh, and, and again I, I didn't go to church so I didn't know what to do I didn't have a God to lean on that I knew of and so, and I didn't know about relationships. We didn't have, I mean, I had my friends, but we're kids. You don't really talk about that stuff as a kid because they sure don't know how to deal with it. Right. And so, um, so I had to kind of walk that out myself without really any help, without any guidance. Uh, and so it probably didn't really get dealt with. I just continued walking. And then, um, when I was in West Virginia, it was a fall evening or it was spring evening. And I hear, we lived on a cul-de-sac. There was only two houses on the, the whole street, ours and the one across the street. One across the street, nobody lived in. It was empty. Nice. <laughs> so nice, cool evening. Got the window open, and uh, I hear doors shut outside. Just like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, who's outside? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I asked my wife at the time. I'm like, do you, you hear that? She goes, hear what? I was like, the doors. She goes, no. So I get up and look out the window, and it's two state police troopers out in front of my house. And I was like what is going on? I was like, told her, I was like, get up, get dressed. There's cops out front. So 
So I walk downstairs, and they're knocking on the door, and I open the door, and they're like, are you Brian Graham? I'm like, yes, sir. It's like, do you mind if we come in? I'm like, sure. <laughs> he goes, uh, would you mind sitting down? And I'm going, what is going on? You know, this is just weird. So, so I go to sit down. There's two officers. One of them stays at the door, and one of them comes over with me into my living room, which is right by the door, and, I, and we sit down. And uh, at this time, my wife's coming down the stairs, and he goes, um, he's like, there's been an accident. And I instantly knew what happened because earlier that afternoon, I, was, I had called my kids. Um, they were on their way to take my daughter to somewhere to her friend's house to do some school project or something. Um, I had spoken to my youngest daughter. My oldest daughter refused to speak to me. She was just in a bad mood, so she refused to speak to me. And I was on the phone with my son, and the phone just went dead, which, unfortunately, at the time was fairly normal. Like, my ex would just randomly let me stop talking to them. Um, so I didn't think nothing of it at the time. I called back, and it just went to voicemail and stuff. So I was like, all right, she must be mad. I must have said something that triggered her or whatever. And so I didn't think nothing of it at the time. But then when he said there had been an accident, instantly it all disconnected. Um, and he said, you know, your, your, your daughter and your son have been killed and their mom. Your, your oldest daughter mind you, who was the one who refused to talk to me, was in ICU down in Louisiana. I'm in West Virginia. She's in ICU with, in West Virginia, just lost her mom. So they didn't have nobody living with them. So she's literally on her own at the time in a hospital. Doesn't know it because she's out. I mean, it literally had peeled her skin from, like, her forehead back to her ear uh, because it hit the, the door frame or whatever, just peeled her skin back. And so, so I'm in a situation where I just got news that I lost two kids, I have a daughter who survived, but is down there alone. I got to get down there as quick as I can. Um, and I'm in West Virginia, a place where I only have really coworker friends. I don't have a family at all down there. Um, my ex's family, some, or my daughter's grandmother and grandfather lived down in Louisiana. So they were down there. They could be there for her. Um, and again, I wasn't in church. So, but because I had done that vacation Bible school and because I had heard things, you know, God had spoken to me previously. And so when that officer left, I went upstairs and I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't know. And this is crazy. This is to me is mind blowing is I got on my knees and said, God, I don't know what the reason for this is, but your word says you work all things for good. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know any other verses. That's really all I knew. And so God had planted that in me without me even knowing it so that I had it for that moment to be able to, without a church family, without me thinking I had God, to know that God works all things for good. And so I stood on that. I didn't know why. I didn't know really what I was doing. But I stood on that one verse. And I really didn't even know the verse. I just knew that portion of it. <clears throat> and so that was able to get me through to keep me going down the road. And I knew I had to go get my daughter. So we went down there, got her, um, brought her back up to West Virginia, and she, because of the trauma and because of losing her family and everything, she didn't deal with it well. She wanted to go back to Louisiana where she felt like she was home, um, and I got it. So we ended up sending her back to her grandparents um, and really didn't go well, went south. Um, this is where I learned how to give my daughter to God because I wasn't there. I couldn't lead her directly. I didn't know how to lead her remotely um, because to me it was different leading her than leading a team surprisingly but in my mind it was different um, it shouldn't have been I should have just been able to lead her too and so 
my failure in being able to lead her, I just sent her back and it got worse. Um, so I, I got to a point where literally I was waiting for a phone call every day to say, hey, we found your daughter in a ditch or something. You know, she's dead because she was living a very off the tracks lifestyle, a very dangerous lifestyle. Um, and so I got so stressed every time the phone would ring, I'd look for a Louisiana number and it was really driving me crazy. And so I finally had to say one day, I was like, God, I need you to take care of her. I can't do this. I can't handle this stress. I'm giving her to you. I know you can protect her. I know you can watch over her and I can't. So I need you, God. And so I gave her to God and it was like an instant relief on me. I didn't worry when the phone rang anymore. I didn't worry that she was going to wind up in a ditch somewhere. I had total faith that he was going to take care of her and that even if I didn't like how it looked, he was going to take care of her and keep her alive till he can work on her separate. Um, and so it, it literally changed how I was walking and, and my mindset and my, my stress level and my peace just by giving it to God. Um, and you weren't going to church at the time. No, that's, that's pretty amazing to me that you would have these conversations like you are and not being raised in church or your background, not being there. And here you are having that conversation with God. That's, that's pretty amazing. And it was so, and, and that's where I get to look back now and go, I didn't know him, but he carried me. And it brings me to that picture, the footprints picture where you look mm. back and there's only one set of footprints. Mm-hmm. That's me. That was my life. Like God carried me through that. And I didn't even know I was in his arms. I didn't even know he was there, but he's like, I got you. No matter what you know, no matter what you think, I'm always there for you. And, and he's proven that in my life when I didn't even know him. Um, so for me, that's been super powerful. And that's what gives me hope and knowledge and the, just the, the comfort in knowing no matter what I go through, God's there. I can always count on him to be there. I can always have hope because I know that no matter how bad it looks in my eyes, he's going to work it out for good at some point down the road you know during this time did you ever find a moment where you were mad at god i didn't and that's the strange part i never blamed god i never got mad and said god why did you do this um and that that's the part where i don't understand it right i never and maybe it was because i did maybe it was because i wasn't in church maybe it was you know maybe i didn't have that church mindset to think oh well everything's great god makes everything great but now it's not great, so I'm going to blame God. Uh, I don't. I don't know why I didn't. Why I don't think that, or why I never mm-hmm. thought that. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of is because I wasn't raised in church, and it didn't give me a perspective, a church perspective. Um, but you know, I also think that it had something to do with the one verse that you, that stood out to you yeah. through the majority of that. You, you it it didn't tell you that um, everything's going to be peachy with you. you know? Right. I mean. It's just interesting how that one verse stuck with you since you were a kid and you used it to get through these points. And then, and seriously, dude, I would, and I think that because I'm in church, I would ask that question would be definitely raised in a very strong voice. That wouldn't be, it'd be challenging. I'm like, really, seriously, you know, I'm doing everything that I feel like you're asking me to do. That's pretty amazing. And I think it, I think it is not being, uh, you know, in, in the faith and, and just knowing that one verse, I think, wow, that's uh, pretty impactful. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it was the only, it was probably the only verse I knew, <laughs> you know, well, I, I'm John three sixteen. everyone knows that one. But outside of that one, that's probably the only one that I remembered. 
Um, and so, you know, so I, so I given her to God and things like that. And then I'm going along. I have another son with my new wife at the time. So I like, I had, I can't tell you how many people came up to me when I lost my kids and they were like, how can you even get up in the morning? Like, how are you not just curled up in a fetal position in the corner? And I said, because I have a little boy, like, how can I just give up on him? He didn't do this. He didn't create that situation. Mm -hmm. So I can't hold it against him. And I have a wife. I can't, you know, I can't just walk away from life because I went through a tragedy. That's not, that's not right. in in my eyes at the time. So I just told him, I was like, I, I have my son. Like, that's the excuse I always pointed to is I have my son. So I can't just give up on him. So, so I kept walking it out. And then, then I get here, I am in ELC. I am plugged in, you know, I am growing and learning. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm at Rudy's getting beat up. I'm at men's groups, <laughs> you know, I'm at men's groups yeah. getting beat up. And it's, yeah. and really what it was when I look back, it was just literally challenging my thoughts and my thought process. It had nothing to do with beating me up. It was God saying, you're not where I need you to be. I need you to be better. And so he used all those things again, all those things he used to get me further along and get me prepared. Um, not knowing what's coming, knowing where I've been, but not knowing what's coming. Um, and then, you know, along comes, um, my, my wife at the time, she has a back injury. She gets addicted to prescription pain pills, um, starts doing illegal drugs in addition to it that just to try to control the pain and things. And, um, my fear was always that my son would come home one day and find her dead, that she had overdosed accidentally or, or something happened, like her heart couldn't handle anymore. And he would come home from school and see that. And I didn't want that to happen. And I prayed, God, please just don't let that happen, you know, because I don't want my son to have to deal with that. And so it didn't. But we were home one weekend and we were going to go somewhere. And she said she was tired. So I was like, go take a couple hour nap and then get up and we'll go. Um, she never woke up from that nap. A couple hours later, I go in there to get her and she's blue and not breathing. Um, so I literally put 911 on speaker and start giving her CPR with my son standing there. And I had to get him to help me to roll her over. Um, and so he didn't see her. He didn't come home and find her, but he had to walk through that. And then, of course, you know, they come with the ambulance and everything. And he, he's seeing all this chaos going How on. How old is he? At the time, he's, he's um, 15 now. At the time, he was 12. So, you know, but fortunately, at that time, he had been here in ELC, plugged in, and he's, he's being raised in church like I wasn't. He's being raised with a different mindset than I was. Um, and so, so, but he's seeing all this stuff and having to process all these people mm. coming in, his mom being taken off, and he just lost his mom. So it was, you know, once again, another loss. A, a very close loss so at this point I've lost my mom I've lost two kids and now I've lost a wife and it's like I've experienced about every loss you can experience close to you you know even your uh, ex-wife that you lost I think that that's you know that's still still has something to play into that yeah. um, wow you know uh, I knew some of that but I didn't know all of that I, that that uh, so what what keeps you going now how, how do you deal with all that oh actually you know what I want to back up your son now does he talk to anybody does he see anybody counseling anything like that um, he doesn't he did at school so he talks to some people at school now and then but he hasn't uh but you know we talk and and whenever he's struggling i'll talk to him um and i'll talk to him from a biblical standpoint not from a 
me standpoint, not a, you know, hey, this is how I got through it. It's, hey, this is God's way of doing it. This is what God tells you. This is, you should have hope and know that one, your mom's in heaven, you know, she's, she's perfectly fine now, but two, you have hope in that you're going to get through this and everything because of God, he's going to carry you through this. And I have my testimony from previous losses before he was born to say, Hey, if I can do it, so can you, you know, let's walk through this together. Cause I lost a wife, but he lost his mom. Well, I had lost my mom. And so I get to look back and say, you know, God prepared me for this because I've experienced what he's experiencing. Mm. And, and so I'm able to walk him through that with a biblical perspective now that I didn't have when I was a kid going through that. So it's, it's, it's a very different experience now. It's much more peaceful because I have God and because I know that no matter what, he's got me and, and I can experience anything with that foundation. So you say that you, you never, you weren't really raised with church, you had vacation Bible school. So what did your prayer life look like before then and now? <laughs> before then it was, what's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Fair I enough. mean, I didn't yeah. pray. I didn't know what prayer was. Yeah. I, you know, I know people said prayers, but I didn't really know the purpose or, um, you know, I would say a token prayer because we all know mm-hmm. to pray when th- stuff's going on. So, hey, God, you know, I need something. But I didn't know what that meant. It was just literally because that's what everyone does type of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't meaningful. It wasn't real. Um, but now with what I've been through and now what I know about God, um, my prayers are very intentional. Uh, I don't tend to. And if, if folks that have been around me when I pray over people, I don't really ask God for things. I speak God's word over them. And so I'm not begging God, hey, heal this person. I'm saying, God, your word says by your stripes we are healed. And so I claim that healing over them. I stand on your word. I stand on your promises. I'm not asking you for them. You've already given them to us. And so it's a very confident prayer life in that it's because of the word that I pray. It's not my words. It's his words that I'm praying back to him, telling him, basically reminding him, hey, here's what you told us, God. Yeah. Not that he doesn't know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks for letting me know. (laughs) But it's speaking that life and that word over the person or whoever in the situation. Because, again, back to the whole words have power thing. I believe if I'm speaking God's word over them, I can't speak anything more powerful than that. Right. Yeah. That's good. I like that. It's not me. It's I'm speaking God's word over the situation. So there's what more can I say? So during your time of loss, um, were you praying like? No, uh, not the first two times because I didn't know what it was. Um, this time I was, um, but but at the same time I, like I didn't have to pray for him to help me because I knew he was there, mm-hmm. like because he'd already been there for me when I didn't know him. He proved it. So you know, it's yeah. like you know, he's already there. I know he's there. And did, and you, I assume you took the time to pray with your son too. Yeah, and I had um plus. The third time when we lost my wife, we were surrounded by a family of choice, which I never even knew existed. I didn't know what that was before. Mm-hmm. And so we had people after people after people, you know, literally as it was going on, I texted a couple people and had, I think, three pastors and like five couples show up at our house before the police were even gone. Wow. And so not only did I know I had God, I knew I had a family of choice that would be there instantly, drop what they're doing to come be there in my time of need. Um, and my son got to see that too, because literally they took him across the street. Um, 
it's ex, ex, ex Gary, Gary Gregory and Marianne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. They weren't, I don't even, I'm not even sure they were going to our church at the time because I had been inviting Gary to every men's event time after time after time, like, come, Gary, come, Gary. He's like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. You know, and he didn't, he never would come. And then next thing I know, Gary's leading the Facebook page for the church. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, and, I, and, and literally my thought was, look at God go. You look know, at God go. Look at God go. And, uh, and, and they literally took him over to their house and, like, kept him away from the chaos mm. while I was surrounded with family of choice. And so he knew that there was a family that cared about us outside of our own family. So he got to experience that as well in, in his darkest time. So it's just been a combination of everything. And, and again, back to Romans 8, 28, he, he worked all that stuff together. There's no way I could have. Like, I wouldn't yeah. even think of all those things. Yeah. So, so you, say, you, you mentioned family of choice. Do you think that's, that's because you were plugged in? I think that's the only way to get it. Um, I, I think if I wasn't plugged in, I would have church acquaintances that I would see on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But doing life with them outside of church, in small groups, um, being there for them, serving them in their time of need. And, and that gets returned to you tenfold. You know, I, I, I don't know how to live now without it because I feel like it's that important and that powerful. Um, and literally the other day at work, I had a meeting with my team and I said, who are you doing life with? Mm. <laughs> that kind of probably that's, tripped them out, didn't it? I, I like, see. What are you who, talking about? Well, and, that's good, though. Well, one of my guys is really struggling with stuff. He's, he's in the process of getting married. Um, he's struggling with what he wants to do with his career. Um, he just totally changed his career. Now he wants to be in a totally different industry and, and start his own business. And, I, and he's really stressed, and it's affecting him at work. And I said, who are you talking to at night? Who are you walking through life with? I said, you have a best friend. Are you asking him questions about this stuff? Are you running it through him? And he's like, no, we really don't talk about that. I was like, then what do you mean by best friend if you're not telling him anything and talking right. to him? Yeah. So I told him, I was like, it's crucial. You have someone to bounce stuff off of. You can't do this yourself. And he's like, well, I talked to my dad. I was like, that's great. But you need somebody you're walking through life with, going to things with, doing life with outside of just your dad and, and your family. Um, and whether he gets it or not, I don't feel like it's my job to get him to get it i feel like it's my job to plant seeds yep yeah you know oh, yeah. the word says god gives seed to the sower and i feel like that's my job is to sow seed and god will water it and and cultivate it and harvest it down the road but it's that that mindset of we're not meant to do life alone mm-hmm. and don't do life alone you know don't just hear that and yeah I, that's a good theory and then keep walking it out by yourself um i, I always link it to like a, a pack of sheep and a, and a lion just standing off to the side. What's he doing? He's just waiting for that one to wander off. And then, <laughs> poof, mm-hmm. he attacks, like, instantly. And then the rest of them are kind of left helpless to, to help him, you know. And it's like, that's how I feel if we're walking it out alone. That's what we're doing is we're giving the devil this opportunity to pounce on us without a support group. Um, so, yeah, I, when family of choice, I mean, and being plugged in, I don't consider it like an option. It's, it's crucial. Who are your three? Um, so I have Jose Perez. Okay, he's one of them. Yeah, um, he, he's a he's a big one in my life. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a big one in everybody's life. <laughs> he's great. I do a ton of life with Jose. Um, he's really my main one right now. Um, Jeremy is like he used. Jeremy was he's kind of like there, but he's not there anymore. So it's a little different. 
Um, but, but um, you know, he's still there, and I still look for wisdom from Jeremy, um, and I, I listen to Jeremy. How do you stay intentional with him? Um, we text, um, and but I watch him on Facebook or anything. Strangely, um, I'm bad. I'm not intentional with him. I, I need to be. Um, I'm, in, I'm way more intentional with Jose, and Jose's way more intentional with me. Um, and and I need to get better at that. That is that is a weak spot for me. Is my intentionality with with you're not man. alone in that boat. There's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> us that uh, that have to do a little bit better on that. So you've got Jose, Jeremy. Is there a third? Um, I don't think so. Not this time. Uh, I do like I talk to a lot of people, and I'm close to a lot of people. I don't do life with a lot of them yet. Um, you yeah. know, I'm still in a little transition too, with not being recently relatively recently married and you know and how, how long you've been married now um it'll be two years and what's your name what's my name no her name oh amber amber <laughs> we know your name yeah, we got, we got i was you. like what <laughs> so amber and uh how many kids are y'all uh having fun with uh we have a ton um so i have my son from previous marriage and i have a daughter from a previous marriage she's 27 and she actually still lives in louisiana um and she's doing way better than she nice. was before awesome. um god has god has redeemed that has she found a, a church home or is that not where she's at yet yeah. it's okay I mean, it'll happen. Yet. i honestly don't even know if there's a church where she lives she lives on grand isle louisiana which actually just got obliterated in that hurricane yeah. um she sent me videos and you, the roads aren't even existing anymore it's wow. sand it's a, and they're not under martial law but it's pretty close down there right now um, so she's she's dealing with that, but Good the um, yes, she is doing better, which is crucial for me. Um, and then Amber has three from previous marriage that are now my kids, um, and so we have a. <laughs> so my son's fifteen, uh, her youngest is seventeen, and then nineteen and twenty. So um, there's challenges there as well. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Who knew having kids was going to be a lifelong thing? Yes. <laughs> I was going to be 18 and kick him out the door and say, hey, have, have a good one. But I'm not there yet, but I, I will be. But the great thing is God has worked on me, and so I'm able to love her kids no differently than I love my own. Um, previously in my, my last marriage, I wasn't there. Um, I didn't love them the way I love Amber's kids. I didn't see them as my kids. Um, and so he's worked on me and let me be a better lover, let me be a better father, showed me how to love and, and said, you know, if, if he thinks everyone is his child, well, they are, we are all his children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then why should I see them any different than that as, mm-hmm. as well? You know, so, in my life, I would say that I'm, I, I, this is the first time I've ever used this, but my bonus mom, I hate to call her my stepmom. Bonus mom. But uh, my bonus mom. <laughs> You know, every, uh, my dad met her when I was 12, and uh, they got married when I was 13, something like that in that time frame. I was young. But since that day that uh, she that I first met her, uh, that was a big, important key in my life that she treated me just like her son from day one. Never any kind of uh, favoritism to my, my sisters or anything like that. Um, and then my, my stepdad that I have now, I feel like very... You know, uh, sorry, uh, my bonus dad. Uh, I, I, seriously, these these two these two people in my life are not they're not my step parents. You know, right. I, they are parents to me that have been I've been fortunate enough to get a couple of them and more presents during Christmas. <laughs> so you know, that's always a bonus. That is great. Yeah, I mean, I was and and 
you know, I, when we, when Amber and I first got together and we're dating and stuff and we're getting serious, um, I, I asked her permission to take the kids out one-on-one to intentionally get to know them and let them know, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm not just here for your mom. I'm here for all of you. Um, and so I feel like that time with them was super critical and super crucial because it established, um, an experience for them that wasn't mom focused. She wasn't even with us. It was literally me one-on-one with each of the kids. I think that's awesome. And I think that's something that, that you don't hear a lot of actually, you know, everybody has stepkids or you know step parents but to hear you know scott when you say bonus parent i like that bonus parents yeah and then you being intentional with taking the kids out one-on-one like without mom and you know trying to get to know them i think is is huge because i don't think normally i guess generally speaking i don't think people the kids get a lot of that when they have uh blended families like that yeah and and plus i had known their story you know i'd heard Mm -hmm. their story and what they'd been through and i'd wanted to make sure they knew that wasn't getting repeated yeah um so i had to go above and beyond and be extra intentional with them so they knew that it wasn't just the same old pattern repeating um and i think it's paid dividends you know i think that i I hope they know they're loved i know i know some of them do at least but uh (laughs) i I hope they know how much love they are and you know i'm always there for them and if they call and stuff i'm always like hey i'm here what do you need and like especially with cars and work so <laughs> hey this thing is doing this weird thing and i'm like where yet <laughs> what do you feel god is working on with you in this season um i feel like he's having me lead people in a different way um what keeps coming to me is do you know who you are that's been really powerful in in me right now is asking people do you know who you are do you walk in a confidence of who you are and whose you are? Or do you walk with winds and seas blowing you all over the place every, every time something changes? And so I feel like that's what he's got me on right now is a mission of asking people straight up, are, do you know who you are? And if not, let's walk and figure out who you are so that, like Pastor, sees, Pastor Key says all the time, is you walk in a room, you're the thermostat, not the thermometer. You set the atmosphere. And so I asked our freedom group, I'm leading a freedom group right now. Nice. And I asked them flat out, I said, do you know who you are when you walk into a room? Do you know what you bring? Or do you let the room define you and you let you, you react differently based on how they are? And the typical standard reaction is I read the room and then I adapt. And I said, well, that shouldn't define who you are. That may define how you speak and what you're speaking about. But it's, it shouldn't define who you are. You should know who you are, what you bring when you walk to that room. And you can adapt to the conversation, but don't let it change who you are and your core foundation. Um, and so I feel like that's where he's got me right now is, is that message, is really trying to get people to be confident in who they are and whose they are and that their foundation is God, not their own feelings and, and be tossed around by the winds and the seas. That's good. What is... Uh what would be one thing you could would tell someone that's going through a loss right now? Know that God is there. Know he's there. Don't question if he's there. Know he's there. Know that people will fail you. People will say things that offend you because they don't know what to say in those situations. Um, don't let that deter you or detract you from anything that God is doing. Keep your focus on God. Keep hope in God. Know that Romans 8.28 exists. 
that he will work all things for your good, no matter whether you can see it or not, no matter whether you even believe there's anything good out of this. Because what God has done with me through some of those losses is I've been able to walk other people through their losses because I've experienced what they've experienced. And that's one thing I don't tell them is I don't tell them I know what you're feeling. I tell them I've been there. I can help you walk through it because I have a God who's incredible and he will get you through this. And I'll be here to hold your arm and keep you up when you go to fall. But without that foundation of God and knowing that there's always hope in God, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to go through those things on your own and not having that God foundation. Um, and, and I'm so grateful that he chooses us and he's always there from the start, even when I had no clue he was there. Yeah. But it's such a great blessing now to look back and go, man, look at God. He look had what me he all did. along. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's just like, wow. And, then, and it truly gives me a different perspective on life now, knowing that he was there, even when I didn't even know who he was. And it lets me see the small miracles every day, too. As I'm going through life, and I think that's big too, is if you're going through something, look for the positives, look for the miracles, look at God working around you and see those things. Don't just blow them off because even if it's a small miracle, it's a miracle. How hard is it to uh, focus on the positive and not the negative? Um, now it's really not hard at all. Uh, just to be honest, it's, it's, I try to tend to, to focus on them. Because that's what God's put in me. That's, that's what God does is he sees the best in us. And, you know, we've been taught that from day one with Pastor Keith is see the best even in the worst situations, even when the worst is displayed, mm-hmm. to see the best. So I, I try to do that. I'm not great at it. I'm not always, not always able to. But um, I try to always find something good in it because God saw the good in me when I didn't. When I didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on, he, he saw the good in me. And brought me through it to show me the good in me to now say, hey, now that I've shown you the good in you, go show others the good. Mm-hmm. And it's not my good. It's his good in me that I get to share. That's good. That's good. I like that. What is uh, one thing? Okay, so when people walk up to you and you said that sometimes they don't know what to say, what could someone say to help? You know, I, I know it's, it's going to be tough, right? There's not, I don't know what I'm trying to. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it really, I'm there for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Knowing that someone's there for you is crucial because you don't know what you're going through. You don't know what you're going to experience the next minute. You don't know what emotion's going to hit you. You don't know when it's going to hit you. Um, it's, you know, those stages of grief, you go through them all. It, that's real. And it's, it's having and knowing someone's there for you and that they love you and care about you. Um, so many people try to come up and say, uh, you know, I don't know what you're feeling, but uh, I'm sorry. Like, that's kind of obvious. Like, we know you're sorry. We know, like, we know that. Um, and we also know that it's awkward for you as it is for us. So um, that's a big piece of advice, too, is don't get offended by anything anyone says because they don't really know how to react to you either because they haven't experienced it likely most likely they haven't experienced it and so they don't know what to say to you and just know that the fact that they're there says they care about you and Hmm. so if people come up to you know that hey they cared enough to even come 
because a lot of people get scared by loss and they won't even go to the person because because they're so awkward and they don't know how to deal with it they just avoid it and so if someone comes up to you know that they care enough to even be there in that awkwardness and that they love you enough to say hey i'm here um and 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 just be there for them yeah my follow-up question was what what would be something that you you shouldn't say to someone but i think you kind of said it there but i don't know um just be loving. I mean, don't be mean. Like, they've had enough trauma. And don't say, like, don't ever say, oh, well, you could have done this or could have been worse or, you know. Could have been, yeah. Okay. Just don't say stuff like that because that's like, oh, well, really, you have no idea what I just went through. So you saying could be worse. <laughs> what do you, you know? Yeah. What are you basing that on? So. Gotcha. So want, really. Do you want to get beat down today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I lay hands on you? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, just. You know, I've said it before with Brian uh, Towers and, you know, how why he's my guy is I went through something and he said, we will get through this together. And right there, that's that's all I needed, you know. And I think that what you're saying is the same thing is like, uh, we'll get through this together. You know, whatever that looks like for you, I'm here for you. Exactly. I think that's all that needs to be said. So, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. Well, um that is an hour and almost 30 minutes. Wow. Um, it goes by quick. Uh, yeah. But something that we have is a tradition here. I don't want to say tradition. Um, what, do, what do we want to say? I thought we said tradition. Formality? No. No, nah, formality sounds... Uh, well, strikers, formal. help us out. What were we trying to say? <laughs> I don't want to be a traditionalist or whatever. I just, but, Brian, if you could lead us out. All right. Father God, we thank you for this day. This day you have made. We rejoice and be glad. And Father, as we look out the window, we see the beautiful sunrise on your beautiful earth, Lord, and we are just so thankful. We're so grateful for you. We're so grateful that you love us, that you choose us no matter what, Lord, that you choose us. Even when we decide to walk away from you, you still chase us down and choose us, God. And we are just so thankful for that, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're there with everyone struggling this morning, that everyone that woke up this morning saying, I'm not sure how I'm going to make it through today. Lord, we just know you're there with them, and we ask that you touch their heart, Lord. And we just ask that you let them feel your presence from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Let them know you're there with them, Lord. Let them feel your love, because with your love, we can get through anything, Lord. We are so thankful and so grateful, Lord. Lord, we thank you for just these two amazing men and and them running this podcast, Father, so that your word can get out, Lord, because they're not doing this for them. They're not doing this for their glory, Lord. They're doing it for your glory so that your glory can get out to the world, so that your word can get out to the world, so that your love can get out to the world, Lord, and your hope, Father. And people in times of need, Father, that's what they need is hope, and they need to know that their hope comes from you and that it's only from you because we humans will fail them, but you will never fail, Father, and we're just so thankful and so grateful, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you keep everyone safe, and thank you for another beautiful, amazing day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Strikers, uh, until next week.